Hi, I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. We're board-certified plastic surgeons and hosts of the podcast, Forever Young. Join us every Tuesday as we share the latest products and procedures in the never-ending quest to help our patients look and feel their very best. The world of cosmetic surgery is constantly improving. Join us on the cutting edge. Forever Young is available wherever you get your podcasts. The following content is not suitable for children. Initiating versus receptive sex, Lori. The world split. What do you think? I think that we need to talk about this. Ooh, I got the serious Lori here. Yeah. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Valley, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. Don't forget to check out uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. It really helps us to support the podcast and keep delivering free content. Thanks so much. I think this is part of God's sense of humor. This dichotomy between, you know, people who are turned on and want to initiate and are driven to kind of connect versus people who are more receptive, who kind of kind of get into it, who don't yes. have that drive to kind yes. of connect. And, you know, sometimes this falls along gender lines, right? Because sure. testosterone really helps us, but certainly not always. Right. right? And women could have be initiators and men could be more receptive, you know, and all different dynamics of sexual relationships. But really, so often in couples that we see, we got one person who's more the initiator generally and the other person tends to be more receptive. Yes. Right. And we're yeah. just trying to have a conversation to help people appreciate both sides of this. They both both bring in something so important. And what happens with the negative cycle is both sides really don't understand the other side or worse, start to pathologize the other side. That's what, what so often I see. The person who is more receptive starts to see the initiating person as like sex crazed and like, you know, so focused on their orgasms that they're not, you know, and the person on the initiating side sees a receptive person as cold and frigid and never wanting to initiate and, you know, they not, just don't like sex. They don't like sex. And I, I both of those extreme positions are, are pretty offline. It's just they don't understand that person's way of kind of feeling safe sexually or what they do. So I think it'd be a good conversation for us. What do you think? Okay, let's do this. All right. I had this client who they didn't have sex very frequently. And his experience was she didn't like sex. And her experience was he doesn't initiate. Mm -hmm. And after treating them for a while, one of the things I became aware of was like I, I asked him how he had initiated in the past. And there was this sense of, oh, it was kind of spontaneous combustion. You know, we just kind of come at each other. And that was what he was looking for. But really and truly, as I explored a little bit further, I began to realize he was a receptive desire kind of person. He had never labeled it that way. Mm -hmm. He had never seen it. And she had absolutely not seen it. And she was following a female script that says, I'm supposed to be asked. And I would say most women think they're supposed to be asked to have mm -hmm. sex. And so they would never imagine initiating it. And so women 
I think women, especially women my age, and even young women, George, I, I don't think they see themselves quite as initiators. So mm-hmm. we were stuck here. He was angry because they weren't having sex. And I'm like, okay, well, how often do you initiate? And he's like, never. And and I realized he, he was waiting for that spontaneity that, you know, that they both looked at each other across the room and came together, which did happen for them mm-hmm. when they were young. But really and truly, like his fantasies were along the line of her reaching over, her starting to take off his clothes, her being very aggressive, touching his genitals, like grabbing him, you know, right. like that was his fantasy. And I'm like, have you ever communicated that? And he's like, no, like just never had thought to communicate that. And and I think that it was so different than the average male who is reaching out and touching and talking and joking and, yeah. you know, bringing it to her mind. So anyway, I'm always trying to break down the dynamics between is this how organic is it? physiological versus psychogenic right and Uh you know a lot of times men because of testosterone fall into the role of initiator because that it just organically that the chemistry of the testosterone puts them in that position they feel it right but but what there are a lot of women that psychogenically have kind of developed so many strengths and ways of kind of turning themselves on that you know it, it they become that that spontaneous initiator in their relationship right. and, and you're saying the same thing with men that they just learn to, to become more receptive psychogenically because of their experiences so yeah. there's no right or wrong and we probably all do some of both but really to, to, to help people understand get clear about what is your primary style and what is your partner and how do you appreciate the gifts in both of those those styles and what are some of the challenges that can just give us more of a platform to come together. Exactly. I love what you just said because like this man, for him, I think there was this big, real exciting moment when she came toward him. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's what he was waiting for to tell him she wants sex. And he wasn't quite as willing to risk rejection. And I think for, you know, some women, they've learned to kind of focus on the erotic. And and I, and I honestly, this is how women have libido, George. They have libido when they learn to incorporate a life that includes listening for, thinking about erotic things. I, I, I just... You know, yeah, the, I love that you you're a champion of that. That's that psychogenic kind of development that you need to kind of be intentional if you want your libido to kind of grow and to kind of stay strong. You got to put the work in. And a lot of women that are in the role of the initiated, they've done that work, right? They've had success. Success breeds more wanting to have success. They like where they are sexually. They grow that part of them. You can feel the momentum right in that. Yes. And I would probably distinguish success from how exciting life becomes internally from necessarily success in getting your partner to respond (laughs) because sexual pursuing women often do, you know, are paired with men sometimes that are not as responsive. But there's an internal success like isn't life just better like like when you imagine the electricity about those like the first touch or you 
you you have a fantasy about taking your partner's clothes off or what they would feel if you grabbed their ass. It's like, like that's just exciting. And I, I think that, I mean, for me, you know, like a song comes on and it's, you know, maybe a high school or a college song. And I remember who I was crazy about at that moment. I, those memories come back. I think that consciously I let that happen. And then my life is so much more exciting. It's like, why, why would you ever let go of that spice? But mm-hmm. I will remember a time, and I'll, I'll say, you know, there was a time that I was, and I, I've said this on the podcast before, I was in my 30s and, you know, just drowning in children and probably things were not that great with my husband sexually and I was feeling pretty frumpy and I went to Home Depot and I was wearing my husband's leather jacket and leggings and I like my legs. That's That's one of my best parts. And... I, I just remember seeing, you know, a couple men sort of glance at me, and I am. It, it wasn't exciting that other men looked at me. That that's not what I'm saying. It triggered. It re-triggered me. You know, it was like, oh my god, yes, this is the part of the world that I love, and and from that point forward, like, you know, there was this brief kind of housewife moment <laughs> that I, you know, was was not as in tune with this part of myself. And it just like, boom, turned on again. And I'm like, this this infuses my life, the, the sexuality of it, being aware of myself as a sexual being, not even ha- taking an object of desire, right? I mean, sometimes the fantasy of an object is very exciting. And I say object because I, I don't think you need to fantasize about the guy next door to be sexual, you know, I, in fact, I think sometimes fantasizing about somebody you know is, for me personally, it's damaging because you change the relationship with that person. I mean, I, I'm not against fantasy. I think fantasy is really great. But I think sometimes you can personalize it in a way that messes up your relationship with somebody. So that's not good in my mind. But but I think being aware of yourself as an erotic being and all the stimuli that comes at you and just going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, that that is so great. Well, we're a bit biased, right? We're both sexual pursuers yeah. from different perspectives. You've developed that probably, you know, psychologically through, you you know, through intentionality and all these years of focusing on it. Mine's probably more driven by testosterone, yeah. right? Regardless, God love you. God love you. you. I want to have that experience. I want to well, be full of testosterone. But because we're in the pursuer role, we often pathologize our partners or, you know, people in the receptive role, you know, and I think trying to appreciate what it's like when you don't have that drive to initiate and you still put your body in a situation where it will be receptive and it will and not knowing if it's going to. I mean, that's quite a beautiful thing to do for the relationship and to do for yourself and your partner. It's, like a, be- you- it's a beautiful risk. 
It's a beautiful risk, and it's a dangerous risk, right? Yeah. Because if your body doesn't come online, you're going to disappoint your partner. You're going to get frustrated with yourself. You, you know, you could traumatize the experience by putting your body in a place where it doesn't want to be. Some bad things could happen, yes. right? And yet, yes. you know, who's seeing that? Who's helping those receptive people put words to that, right? And, you know, the initiators are so caught up in their own kind of drive and want. Like, we get a bit tunnel vision with that. We don't have appreciation for, you know, that, that partner on the other end who's kind of putting themselves in a situation. So I think that's, that's where I always try to remind myself that, wait, wait a second, this, this receptivity is a beautiful thing. It's, it's actually harder to do, I think, than, than the initiator who's kind of got all the stuff that's driving it. Yeah, I agree with you. But I want to distinguish, we're not talking about the withdrawing moment. We're also talking about the person who does get turned on receptively. So mm -hmm. when they're ignited, right. when they're ignited by that desiring other, mm -hmm. something turns them on. So let's come back, talk about reception and how, how that switch gets flipped for them in a really positive way. The ZocDoc app, so cool. You guys, so many people call me too and say, is this normal? And it's something that, you know, just checking in with a therapist or a doctor, you know, if you're worried about a symptom, I know you need help and you want help right away. And ZocDoc is the app for you to figure this out quickly because ZocDoc has thousands of medical professionals on there and they listen like a friend, but they really give you the expert care that you need. Don't wait around when you're worried about something. Go to ZocDoc.com. It's the only free app that lets you find and book a doctor whose patient review takes your insurance, is available when you need them. And basically they treat every condition under the sun. It's no more doctor roulette, scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor who you haven't even met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book that doctor in their neighborhood. Go to ZocDoc.com slash foreplay and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find a top-rated doctor today and many are available, as I said, within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash foreplay. ZocDoc.com slash foreplay. We are doing a couple's retreat on September 8th. So please keep that in mind in your schedule for your fall schedule. We want to give you a heads up. We're only doing one this year because our training schedule is getting crazy, but we would love to invite you to our couples retreat on September 8th. It's by Zoom and you can find it on our website, foreplaysextherapy.com. Nice. And we just uh, completed training therapist two days, right? On sex. Had over 100 it? therapists. How much fun was that, Laurie? To just kind of, again, get all these questions. We don't have all the answers, but we're just getting that excitement. It's just trying to help us all get clearer and clearer and start leaning in this direction because it's such a great need to help couples talk about their sex lives. It was. It was really fun. And we're excited to do it again for our couples. We always have fun with people who are wanting to work on their sex life and come to us. They're always anxious. What is it going to look like? And I'm glad to email you a little bit about that, talk with you so you can get comfy. And who don't want to be comfy, right? Yeah, again, I like the clarity, Lori, as you're trying to say, this is actually how they get turned on. 
This isn't just they don't have fun. This their body just needs kind of that interest to kind of cue it up to kind of get it going. Yes. There's a researcher, Meredith Chivers, and a big New York Times article called What Do Women Want? And they accessed, you know, a lot of sex researchers, and she's phenomenal. And she said that being desired for women is the orgasm. And I mean, obviously, there are men who are receptive, have receptive desire. And I I would honestly think my husband has more receptive desire. Like he is more dependent on feeling like I think he's super attractive, that I want him, that I say sexual things to him about his body, about him. I mean, that's that's a turn on for him. Like the other day he was complaining, oh, I've gained 15 pounds. And I'm like, baby, don't stop taking your clothes off. You know, it's like, like I really want to be reassuring to him that I want to see him naked, you know, because I don't want inhibition, his own self-consciousness to stop. And so I offer to him this sense of you are desirable to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's a big difference between I really desire you. I like, as you say, that's the turn on for so many women. That's the mm-hmm. orgasm. But what happens with the negative cycle is it becomes the initiated just wants an orgasm. It's not mm-hmm. like you become objectified, right? It's like mm-hmm. you just, you're horny, you want an orgasm. It's not like you desire me. I could be anybody. That's, and that's where we start to pathologize the initiator, right? Yeah. Who's trying yeah. to express You just want to get off. You just want to get off. It's, and, but Sometimes. that <laughs> receptive person, again, we hope you're listening and it could be either gender that, that's okay that that's how your body gets turned on. It's not front and center. It's not on your radar. It does, you don't see something immediately your body says, oh, I want that. It's like you have to build a context that allows your body to kind of open up and to want it. And, and if that's the case, how do you set up more encounters where you can get the very thing that you need instead of this pressured you know, thing that could so often happen with the negative cycle? Right, and I think if you have receptive desire, It is important to remember that everybody wants to be desired at some point and and needs that expressed. They need to feel desirable too. So like you're saying, it is work as a person with more receptive desire to build courage, to learn new skills, you know, to think about Mm -hmm. offering compliments or touches or sexual innuendo that is deeply reassuring to your partner about your commitment to this to the erotic life with them. So, yes, we're we're not saying that you don't have your own work to do and also knowing your body, knowing the turn-ons and stuff. But I I think dynamically if us as sexual pursuers kind of accept some responsibility for it. It's like, look at I I'm blessed with this, or I've learned how to do this, you know, whatever. I like that. How can I lend my desire to my partner? How do I share that? And I certainly think Meredith Chivers' point is women in general really, really like to be admired. Mm. They they like to be told, You're 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 hot. I think you're so beautiful. Like, look at your legs, look at your you know, your breasts, look at, you know, I love the curve of your waist or, you know, your ass is 
tight and hot. You know, I don't know. You know, it's just like and, – and I know some women say, oh, my God, my husband says that all the time and it's such a turnoff because that's all he's thinking about. So I do understand the risk as a pursuer for rejection for that. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, if you have an opportunity to convey to your partner that you think they're beautiful, not – yeah, that dress looks nice on you. I mean, that is so weak. That is just so weak. It's never going to get through to your partner that you feel desire. So I, I would say, top I want to steal. Top. I want to steal that line. It's it would be so great for a sexual pursuer to imagine and let me lend you some of my desire. I have something that makes me lucky or blessed that you don't have. That doesn't make you broken or anything else. It just means you need a different way of getting started than I do. Yes. Right? And how do I get help you get started so we can meet with our different styles with each other and have great sex, which is what a lot of couples learn to do. And George, think about when we're all dating. There is so much intentionality about this. Right. You take her out, you spend money, you dress up, you smell good. You know, she's dressed up, there's innuendo, there's expectation, there's time. I, I mean, I, I think I, we were talking about it in a last podcast or recent one where I was saying, you know, really the sexiest thing a man can say to a woman is just take your time. Like when, when he's not in a rush, mm-hmm. when he's not in a rush for her body to get aroused quickly so that he can have his orgasm, I, I just think there's this breath that happens, it's like, okay, you know, we have a long time. And, you know, and if you're taking her out on Thursday night and you got to get the babysitter home by eight and you got to get kids up by six, I mean, that's not luxurious time. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas when we're dating, we go out at six o'clock and there's no end date. There's usually no babysitter to get home, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there's Those no damn kids again. Damn kids. You know, and there, but there's, there's also psychologically just like it could last forever. And I think, okay, we can't do what that. A better, what a better atmosphere for someone who's receptive. Yes. Right? Who, who's to not have that pressure to have all that intentionality, those anticipations that are going to make it. But I want to, how many pursuers, if I had a doll of how many sexual pursuers have said, I just want my, partner to initiate right it's like the thing they ask for most i know right? and it's and it, they don't recognize how hard that ask is and 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 someone who's receptive can do some of the work to grow that right but i, I think to flip that around and be so helpful for the sexual withdrawers who are more receptive to really appreciate what the sexual pursuer is bringing that this drive, this initiation, and they might be blessed that they have it, but what if they didn't have it? For couples with two receptive people, like they're not having sex, right? This, this, this life force that's trying to connect, that's trying to come forward. Like, how do we appreciate it? I think it, that really is like the mojo magic for a sexual pursuer to say, thank you for bringing this to us. You know, it's like, whoa, here comes the rainbow. And the, <laughs> Wait, the, do that the again. Do that again. Is that an orgasm? Do that again. Whoa! <laughs> you know, it's, that, that is, but it is, it's deep because it taps into so many levels. It's not just the physical, it's the emotional, it's the spiritual, it's the psychological. Saying, I see you. I see what you're trying to do is healthy instead of what it's doing is too much, right? And I, I think every sexual pursuer deserves to hear that from their partner. 
I do too. <laughs> yeah. As a sexual pursuer, I do too. Yeah, because it's it's you know it's so reassuring. And it doesn't take much, right? It's just that intentionality of that sexual withdrawal to say, wait a second, I do see you. Normally, I can't see that because I feel pressured. I'm trying to get myself in the mood. I'm like, I'm lost in me. Both people get lost in themselves. The pursuer is like, you're not attracted to me. I'm the one that always has to do this. Like, both people get tunnel vision, mm-hmm. right? And 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 if th- that's that's fine. But at some point, when you calm down, you listen to this podcast. I hope some of you are going to go home to your partner and say, thank you, thank you for bringing this to our relationship. Yeah, thank you for keeping us in the body as well as having an erotic life. You know, because it's so important for the strength of our relationship to be connected body and soul. Yeah. You know, without body connection, they're, they're really we really are at jeopardy. You know, we can yeah. be tempted by others. We can just not have that grease that soothes and helps us get over the like the little irritants of the day. You know, I, I mean, it's so good for us to have sex. Mm. We're, we're more motivated to be patient if we're a pursuer, you know, if we're having sex. And people say, well, you should be patient anyway, or withdrawers often say that to their partners. Why Why should I have to give you sex to make you patient? It's like, it's like you know, have you ever been hangry? <laughs> Feeding a person who's hangry helps them calm down. And I think there is essentially this, like, part of the body that, hormonally and with tension release, it it impacts mood. We are creatures of body and soul. And so, yeah, an orgasm really does impact our soul as well, our mood, our emotions, and our heart. Beautiful. Well, here comes homework for our listeners. Okay. Here comes my tactical brain. It's always trying to organize things. But I I have two things I would love for our listeners to do. One, say thank you to your partner for their style, for what they bring to the relationship, right? What a gift that is to feel seen and to be appreciated for who you are, how God made you. And two is then take ownership for when you get caught up in a negative cycle, how you wind up pathologizing the other person for the way they were made, right? How great would that be for a sexual pursuer to say, you know what, I'm sorry when we get caught up in our thing that I start to see you as sexually broken or inadequate. I put all that pressure on you. When you're just okay to not be in a move and to want to be receptive. I mean, isn't that a cool thing to do? Or the flip side for that sexual withdrawal to say, I'm sorry that I feel pressured because of this cycle, that I often see you as too much or just like just wanting sex for the orgasm and not seeing the health and what you're doing. I take Mm -hmm. ownership for that. Saying thank you and then taking ownership, give it to me, baby. Thanks for listening to us. Woo! Keep it hot. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.